0: From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Brian Milady. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call one 271 2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com.
1: A tremendous Thursday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. If you'd like to be part of the program, the number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five, 271 2985 And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. 271 2985 You can always send us an email. That email address is openline, all one word, at EWTN.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Gubenski and Jeff Burson, handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. But if you are watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, just pick up a phone. Or call us on the phone you're watching us on. And uh, get your question into Father Milady at 833-288-3986. And our host, as he is every Thursday, the aforementioned Father Brian Milady. How are you? Okay. Are you feeling Slowly better?
2: Recovering from COVID. Well, yeah. Well, you've
1: you, you've gone to tremendous lengths just to avoid being on my show and my wife's show.
2: <laughs> well, like I say, I think it's the other way around, and uh, I'm in the fatigue. I'm in the fatigue phase of the thing yeah,
1: now, yeah. Where, it's, uh, know, it, yeah, it's real. Yeah, when yeah, does, when my lovely yeah. wife Johnette, had it, she was that was the biggest thing. She was. Wiped out for a couple of weeks.
2: Yes, After yes. Well, I hope it doesn't days. last that long. But <laughs> I'm teaching, and I had to fly here. And
1: well, listen, uh, was, you know, no, no fun. As fatigued yeah. as you as as fatigued as you may be, you certainly don't have the legitimate gripes that someone like Maria Goretti would have had, right?
2: That's true. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about Maria the today because it's her, it was her feast day this week, as you know. And I wanted to talk about forgiveness, really, because I think it's an important issue. Now, there's a lot I can say about it and to try to encapsulate it in nine or ten minutes isn't really totally possible. But I think the power of forgiveness is something we often forget. We're told in the Gospels that we're to forgive, and it's a sign of the depth of the spiritual life it doesn't mean to be a doormat to other people's weak uh, tyranny but it does mean that we have to be willing to recognize the fact that the mercy of Christ was shown in the cross primarily by his father forgive them for they know not what they do because we as you know we crucify Christ too and this is exemplified even in the smallest examples like Maria Goretti who was a little girl you know who lived in Italy about 1900 and i'm summarizing her life now so for those of you very familiar with her i might get one or two things wrong but i wanted to tell about her for people who may not know a great deal about her she was a peasant she could barely read and write probably not at all and her father died when she's a child very young and she and her family were forced to live with another family uh, for poverty And when she received her first communion, which was in those days about the age of 12, and she had a sin explained to her, she said she never wanted to commit a sin. Well, there was a boy in the other family, Alessandro, who lusted after her. And he was a year or two older than she was, and he kept trying to get her to have sex with him. And she was very concerned to preserve her virginity. So she's considered to be a martyr to virginity because she'd refuse him. And he said, next time she refuses me, I'm gonna kill her. So he was out working in the fields. She was on babysitting the children. He stole away from the group and came back and accosted her. And she refused him and with an iron stake, he savagely stabbed her 14 times. Now, what was she saying while she was being stabbed? She said, Alessandro, don't do this, it's a sin and I want you to be with me in heaven. The priest brought her the last sacraments because she lingered on for about a day. And he said, you know, you're a Christian, you have to forgive him. And she said, Father, not only do I forgive him, but I pray that he'll be with me in heaven. The boy was sent to prison. The crime was very notorious in Italy, and he refused all consolation of religion or belief in God until he had a vision of Maria Gretti dressed in white with 14 lilies, saying that she forgave him. And he was so struck by this that he began to practice his faith. he was a model prisoner, and years later, in his advanced adult age, he was released from jail. And the first place he went was to the parish where Maria Goretti was buried. And it was Christmas Eve, and he knocked on the door, and the housekeeper opened the door, and it was Garetti's mother. In tears, he knelt down and said, please forgive me for what I did to your daughter. And she answered, if my daughter can forgive you, as we hope to be forgiven by God, I forgive you. They both received communion in the shadow of her tomb. He testified though he was not a president her canonization as a saint. And he joined a Capuchin, a Franciscan friary, although because of his past, he wasn't allowed to make vows he lived more or less as a servant there you know wearing a form of the habit and serving the community when he died a journalist came to interview him and said do you despair of your salvation because of what you did to that girl and he responded but her prayers and her forgiveness i would despair of my salvation now we have several examples in christian history St. Stephen is one, St. Thomas More is another, of people like Maria Gretti who prayed for the forgiveness of the people who willed them evil. And in a number of cases, especially St. Stephen's, it's considered to be the means God used, Stephen's prayer for forgiveness, for the conversion of St. Paul. So even though forgiveness comes very hard for some of us, real forgiveness in the heart, We know we need to do it, and it's never useless. And therefore, I would uh, invoke for you the words of the Lord. How often must I forgive my brother seven times? No, as many as 70 times, seven times, I tell you. Let us pray that we can forgive, therefore, those people who've done us ill. Not that we would justify what they did, but that we let it go and move on especially if there's nothing we can do about it. You know, I know people in my order who are so angry at a provincial who died in 1975. They can't change that. And they spend all their time sometimes wasting it on these nurtured feelings of anger, which can't be resolved. And you want to know who's winning. Whatever the priests may think now, wherever he is, he doesn't really care if they're angry with him anymore. So why do they nurture it? They need to move on to the better things that the Lord has prepared for us.
1: 833-288-3986. That's our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America, 833-288-EWTN. of course, if you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is 1205 271 2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1205 271 2985. And as I said, if you are outside of the United States and Canada, we'll even put you straight to the front of the line. You can always send us an email and be part of the show by that uh, method. Just uh, send the email to openline, all one word, openline at E-W-T-N And put something like Father Milady or Thursday in the subject line, and we'll make sure that that uh, gets to the appropriate uh, location. And uh, also, if you are watching this on YouTube or Facebook Live, We would love to interact with you in that way as well. Just simply type a question into the chat window. Jeff Burson, magnificent person, our social media maven, is uh, monitoring all of that activity and uh, he might get your question up to us on the board here before the end of the program. 833 288 EWTN is our toll free number. It's your free ticket to the program here on EWTN's Open Line Thursday. That's 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Dominican father Brian Milady. You know, when you work here at EWTN, you have the great privilege of being able to walk through the gift shop that's filled with what Mother Angelica called holy reminders, a very inspirational place. But you, too, have the opportunity to sort of visit the gift shop by going to EWTNRC.com. It's the online home of EWTN's Religious Catalog. And one of the items you'll see there is the Chaplet of the Most Precious Blood, July is the month, of course, of the Most Precious Blood, and a beautiful way to honor and console the heart of Jesus is to pray this chaplet of the Most Precious Blood. It's imported from Italy, and the chaplet is composed of 33 beads in memory of the 33 years of Jesus' life on earth. The Our Father prayer is recited 33 times in honor of the 33 years of precious blood that, that the precious blood flowed in the veins of Jesus before it was all poured out on the cross for our salvation, and the beads are separated into seven sections that correspond with the seven times that Jesus shed his precious blood. The circumcision, his agony in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the shoulder wound and other wounds from carrying the cross, the crucifixion, and the piercing of his side. It's a beautiful item. The beads are red facet cut glass, and the center and and crucifix are silver-plated base metal, and it's available now at EWTNRC.com. Free standard shipping right now on online orders of $75 or more. That's standard shipping in the continental U.S. only. Use the code FREE at checkout. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Our first stop today is the Republic of Texas. Gabriella is in San Antonio listening on Guadalupe Radio. Gabriella, welcome to the program. You're on with Father Brian.
0: Hi, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is um, how do we, um, I guess, rebuttal... Um, When Protestants say that we don't need to go to confession to confess our sins to the priest, my boyfriend kind of quoted the um, psalm, one of the psalms that says that, you know, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far uh, their sins will be, you know, that I won't remember them anymore. So I just want to know, how how do I defend that, defend the confession?
2: Uh, Well, if he's quoting the Old Testament, it's rather simple. Uh, After all, Jesus is the means by which our sins are removed far from us. And Jesus is uh, not only God, but he also has a human nature. And in his human nature, he gave the power to the church to do this removal of sin from the east to the west, through the sacrament of penance, through the power of the keys. Whose sins you shall receive, they are rescinded. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And he did that in the upper room when he breathed on them the Holy Spirit from his human nature. So if you should say, well, I don't need a priest uh, as far as the East is from the West, so far will will God remove my sins. Fine, you don't need Jesus' human nature because he's a priest. (laughs) He's the priest. And so uh, basically the Protestants are saying that say that, we don't need Christ. Why are you a Christian then is the issue. And so the physical nature of Christ is central to our experiencing the spiritual nature of grace. This was something that was greatly uh, troubled Luther because he didn't understand how physical mediation was necessary for spiritual conditions. Remember, the basic option was that the soul confronts God directly with no mediation, no middle ground, no middle man whatsoever. Well, if that's true, Again, you don't need the cross of Christ. So, uh, in fact, the Old Testament prophecies and Psalms are all oriented to Christ. St. Augustine would say many of them are said by Christ or fulfilled in Christ. And so we have to have a Christological interpretation in which we see Christ as central to this. So, the power of the keys itself instituted by Christ to share in his power to forgive sins was established finally on the upper room when he rose from the dead.
1: God bless you Gabriella, we appreciate the phone call. 833 288 EWTN is our toll-free number 833 288 3986. Next up is Bill in St. Louis, Missouri listening on Covenant Radio. Bill, you're on with Father Brian.
3: Hey Father Brian. I, I always uh Listen to you on Thursday on my way to golf. And you just said something that, you just said something today that made me think about my father and I, and I, I guess I've always heard that, that, that analytical, whatever it's called, to be Catholic is to forgive. And what you just said today was, I guess you have to move on. And... And that really, that always kind of, you know, my dad was not a, a bad person. He just wasn't a loving person. Right. And um, and I guess I just have to, you know, I'm 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 60 years old, and that still bothers me. And I just thought I'd tell you that. I guess that 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 saying to, to be Catholic is to forgive. I guess I guess I'd like to know where did that all start.
2: Uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) It starts with our Lord. And the famous parable, of course, is the heartless debtor. You remember the heartless debtor. He owed the King Donald Trump's fortune and couldn't pay. And so he kneels down and says, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Well, the king is a merciful person. So he writes off the debt. But the heartless debtor goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him $10, can't pay. The fellow servant kneels down and says the same words, the same words he just used to the father, the king. Have patience with me and I will pay you all. But it says he will have none of it. Bind him over the tortures, he says, till he pays back what he owes. When the king hears about it, remember what he says, you worthless wretch, I forgave you an infinite debt like hell when you besought me and you couldn't forgive your fellow servant a tiny fraction of that. And then remember, he has him thrown out into the outer darkness, and he says, so will my heavenly Father treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I don't believe forgiveness is an easy thing to do, but we have to learn how to do it. One of the reasons it's hard for us is because anger is involved. And there's nothing wrong with being angry The scriptures don't say, don't be angry. I know some Catholics think that's a sin in itself, but um, the scriptures say, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And it says, be angry and do not sin. So there, uh, but throwing a tantrum and all this stuff is rarely a way to show anger because the purpose of anger is the amendment of the evil doer. Now, what do you do when you've done all this necessary in a mature sense? to try to help correct the situation, and it's just not possible. Well, you have two choices. You can hold on to your anger and let it fester within you, and you have only so much spiritual energy. So if you're wasting it on something that can't be changed, you don't have a lot of reserves left over for good things that God has to offer you. And so you can make a choice. The Christian response is to make a choice and let it go. The interesting thing is that when it comes to our parents, very few people's parents were ideal in one way or another. And I would think that by the time you reach your 60s, because you may not be an ideal parent, I don't know, but you realize that. And the important thing is that your father or your mother did the best they could for you, but they themselves may have had issues. You know, my father went through the depression and the war. Um, he was a good man, but there were things about him that were scars from those experiences, and also from his family, which was very poor during the depression. So, as I got older, I began to realize that he did the best he could, and that was the the most important thing. And he tried to be sure we never went without physically. You know, we. We always had something to eat, and was, uh, shelter, and we didn't have to worry about those kinds of things. We had a certain freedom, which he didn't have as a child in the Depression. So you give your parents the benefit of the doubt, and you say, look, um, I'm not ideal, so why do I expect them to be ideal? And I wish that perhaps they had been able to show affection or be more loving, but it may not have been them. That not, may not have been their personality So um, you have to kind of uh, put it in perspective, I would say. And again, move on, appreciate what your parents gave you, and just forget about the things that they were unable
1: to do. Is forgiveness some sort of a feeling that you should be able to achieve?
2: I don't think it's a feeling. I think it's just a a determined choice to not... uh, be resentful about it anymore and feel angry about it anymore. And to let this, now of course, some people were abused by their parents, that's a different situation. But we're just talking about the normal difficulties people have with with, with living together. Uh, again, there's only so much spiritual energy you can have, and you don't want other people to push your buttons from the grave or from somewhere else. I mean, then they're running the show. And part of the good physician our Lord's desire for us. Remember he did connect forgiveness of the Lord's prayer too, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He knew all of us would find ourselves in situations where we couldn't um, resolve certain issues of things that people had done to us. And he wanted us to not be uh, destroyed by that spiritually. But again, to move on in its regard. So uh, I think you have to pray about it because the Lord is the one that gives you the strength to do it. But if you realize that it's a value and that in some cases that value has even been a value of conversion for the wrongdoer, which is what its purpose is, then move on. That you know, it makes your life a lot freer for one thing.
1: 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. We've got a couple of open phone lines for you and plenty of time for your calls. If you're outside the United States and Canada, you can call us at 1-205-271-2985. And if you are outside of North America, we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one 271 2985 It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday. Your free ticket to the program is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Father Brian Mullady.
0: This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: 833 288. EWTN is our toll free number. 833 288 3986. Pick up the phone and grab one of these open phone lines. Next up is Chris in Denver, Colorado, listening to the Catholic Radio Network. Chris, you are on with Father Brian Milady.
3: Well, thank you both, and no question but more of a comment for Father Brian. Your um, m- mention of parents and some of that, I've been carrying some baggage for about 36 years related to that, and um, boy, almost with immediately when you said that, it was a relief for me. So just a thank you for bringing that up and saying that.
1: My pleasure. God bless you, Chris. Right. We appreciate that phone call. 833-288. E-W-T-N, that's 833-288-3986. Hilda, father, is watching us on YouTube, and she asks, Can kids get baptized without godparents? All my family and friends are of different religions. Well,
2: Hilda, frankly, I don't know the answer to that question, because, uh, for one thing, I don't do baptisms much, but for another thing, they're discussing this issue in Rome, and one of the reasons is because of so, the people who choose godparents that shouldn't be godparents. Uh, it's very strange when, as far as I know what the law is right now, I could be wrong about this, is that you must have one godparent who's Catholic, as far as I know. Because the purpose of the godparent is supposed to be to raise the children in the faith if the parents aren't able to do that. Now, presumably, that would mean they need to be Catholic also. Um, But again, one seems sufficient. But even this seems to be somewhat of a difficulty, and it is kind of a custom that's attained the force of, uh, well, a kind of semi-law, if you want to put it that way. You certainly can be baptized without a godparent. People in danger of death, you can do that if there isn't someone around or something like that. But normally speaking, you would try to have one, since they tend to choose unsuitable people now. Um, or I've even known a person who was a confirmation sponsor who was Jewish. What is he? What is he sponsoring <laughs> for? When he doesn't believe in Christ, I mean, the whole thing has become a matter of social um, uh, yeah. etiquette instead of religion. It's almost like uh, people have the bar mitzvah and the confirmation party to have a party. They have no clue what confirmation of being a bar missive is about, but it has a nice party attached to it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, look, I mean, how seriously do we take our religion anyway? And it's very hard for me to believe that a Catholic has nobody they know of any of their friends who is a Roman Catholic. Uh, It's hard for me to imagine that, although I may be, again, mistaken about that. My own godfather was a Ukrainian Catholic. He was my father's best friend. But I never saw him ever. Except I guess when I was baptized, I was baptized when I was like one week old or something. But I knew who he was, but that was about it. So um, they're even debating whether to require them at all or not. Because people have... um, made such poor use of the idea, I think is the best way to put it.
1: 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. A couple of open phone lines and plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Nikki is also watching on YouTube, and the question is, why aren't you supposed to wear the rosary around your neck like a necklace? I know you're not supposed to, but I don't know why. Well,
2: first of all, it's an object of devotion. And so it's not an article of jewelry. I mean, I know there are people that wear crosses and things like that. I like they're jewelry. But even that would be, I think, pushing it quite a bit. There are cultures, however, where people do wear the rosary, even men. I know in Indonesia, some of the men who are Catholic wear the rosary from devotion. And also, I believe in some Hispanic cultures People wear the rosary, and there may be some others I'm not aware of. If that were the reason you did it, it'd be like me wearing my medal, you know, around my neck. Uh, that would not necessarily be wrong at all. But if it's just if it's I don't wear my my medal as a you know piece of jewelry. If it's just a piece of jewelry because it looks pretty, I would think that would be inappropriate. Yes.
1: 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America, 833-288-3986. Nancy wants to know, we are homebound and watch daily Mass, including Friday Masses, online, and partake in spiritual communion. Does that count toward the First Friday devotion?
2: (coughs) I, frankly, I don't know the answer to that either. I believe when Margaret Mary had the revelations since they didn't have television, uh, I believe it's supposed to involve actually being present at mass. It would seem to me that that would be the issue. Um, so uh, as you know, you don't have to go to mass except from, from devotion. If it's impossible for you to go to mass, I suppose, the Sacred Heart would understand uh, those things aren't matters of church law or anything like that, especially private revelation. So, but I would think that, well, of course, when the original uh, promises were given, they were given on the understanding that you'd be physically present at mass. So uh, that's what would be my answer to that.
1: 833-288-EWTN, still one line open at 833-288-3986. Tom is in Omaha, Nebraska, listening on Spirit Catholic Radio. Tom, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Here's my question. I understand that we spend our life preparing to meet Jesus at death, and at that point we are either saved or lost. But once the soul leaves the body then that that decision is no longer possible. And some friends of mine, I think they're wrong, they said, no, that after death, you need Jesus and you decide then. And I said, no, I don't think so. All
2: right. Uh, What you're reflecting is a modern opinion, primarily of German theologians, which is not true. Uh, Karl Rahner maintained that the only real decision a person ever made where they married heaven and hell was in a situation which he called at the moment of death, which was between the clinical death and spiritual death. Uh, How you determine this is difficult to say, but the reason he gave was that you don't have a body. Now that, in my opinion, is wrong. Uh, The term inarticulo mortis means while you're still alive not in this peculiar no man's land between clinical death and uh, physical death once you've uh, reached the point where your soul separates from your body there's no more meriting or demeriting so you don't make any decisions after that that's the first, when the first judgment occurs and your destiny is fixed then before the uh, you die, the cell separates from the body, though. Uh, that's still a time when you can, um, you know, make a decision for Christ or against
1: him. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Diana is in Cincinnati, Ohio, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Diana, you're on with Father Brian.
3: Hi, thank you for having me. Um, Father Brian. I was wondering what the Catholic position is on donating your body to science after you die. Uh,
2: As I understand it, you may do that, but you may not hasten your death to do it. As you know, some hospitals hasten a person's death by euthanasia almost in order to get the organ while it's still fresh, you could say for transplant um that you're not permitted to do that but if you wish to donate your organ after your death it's a it's it's a charitable thing to do everyone doesn't have to do it but it, it can be a very very charitable thing to do but you may not do anything to hasten your death in order to harvest
1: the organ does that clear it up for you
3: I'm actually wondering about donating your entire body, so not your organs, but like I want to give my body to UC, Cincinnati. Fine.
2: Um, you just can't hasten your death to do it, all right?
3: Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs>
2: thank awesome. You, thank you.
1: All right. Thanks, Good. Diana. Thank 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. She wants to be a bear cat for eternity. Um, right. <laughs> uh, next up is Jan in the great state of Minnesota, listening on Sirius XM channel 130. Jan, you're on with Father Brian Milady.
3: Well, hello there, gentlemen. Hello, Father. Hi. I was just listening to your uh, comments today to that couple who said that they're
0: homebound and wanted to no, know if watching uh, uh, the the mass on TV would that count. I thought maybe. Do you think it'd be a good suggestion to have them call their parish and have a Eucharistic minister come out that day?
2: Well, I, 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 again, I'm not, I I, I don't, I'm not that familiar right now. I don't remember all the promises revolved in the sacred heart devotion. Um, I thought that mass was a part of it, but uh, perhaps it's not. Perhaps communion suffices, but if mass is a part of it, that wouldn't cover the issue.
1: I'm not sure how that's worded either, but I'm curious, and I'm going to look after the program. I can promise good, you that. Good, 833-288. good. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people are familiar with uh, Father Patrick Payton uh, of Happy oh, Memory, Uh, And most people remember him for the the notion of the family that prays together, stays together, together, together. Uh, his his rosary crusade. Um, But what he also did in Hollywood back in the day is he accumulated some of the biggest names in Hollywood to record radio dramas for him. Uh, and boy, I love a good radio drama. Uh, I mean, when I was a boy, a local station in St. Louis on Sunday nights had radio dramas, and I thought they were fantastic. Um, and we air Father Peyton's radio dramas right here on EWTN Radio at 11:30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday nights. And this week, you can hear the Prisoner of Zenda, starring Gene Raymond and Mary Anderson. And Jean stars as the main character and narrator, Rudolf Rassadil, who is an Englishman on holiday in the fictional Eastern European country of Ruritania. He's mistaken for a soon-to-be king, who on the eve of his coronation is drugged by his brother, the villainous Black Michael, who covets his position of king. Because of his likeness, Rassadil is persuaded to take his place so that the coronation can go ahead, Later, the real king is kidnapped by the villainous Michael and held prisoner in his castle in the forest in Zenda. Michael, who plans to kill both his brother and Rassendil, is betrayed by his mistress, Antoinette de Malbon, who, out of her love for him, does not want Michael to become king and marry the king's betrothed, Princess Flavia, who Rassendil has also now fallen in love with. It all adds up to a great romantic adventure story. On Family Radio Theater, to this Sunday night, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, right here on EWTN Radio. I know Father Milady will be tuning in. Um, again, 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833 288 Excuse me, 3986. Kay wants to know if anxiety is a spiritual thing that we can control or something else. I would say it depends. What would Dr. Conrad Bars say?
2: (laughs) Well, anxiety is something that can be be a result of situations. Or it can be something where you just uh, convince yourself, in a certain sense, to become anxious about something. Uh, There are some cases in which you can certainly control it. There are other cases in which you can't, especially if it results in the unconscious or in some kind of psychological imbalance. After all, there are people who become anxious about heights or about water or about darkness, and it doesn't matter how many times you put them up in the dark or how many times you really raise them to heights, it's not going to lessen their anxiety about it. So that's, that's what I would say. If it's an anxiety that's caused by, oh, I don't know, the anxiousness of sin, you know, that you might be guilty of a sin and it's based on bad education, then you can possibly resolve that by teaching a person correctly. And in fact, if in the resolution of it, even if it is a psychological difficulty, correct teaching is absolutely necessary about this.
1: 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Marguerite is in San Diego, California. She's listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Marguerite, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Hello
3: to both of you. Thank you so very much for accepting my call. My question, I'm going to try to simplify it, is when a person passes away, What might be the reason for their soul to maintain wandering around on Earth?
2: Well, there isn't one. Why do you ask?
3: Because when my stepfather passed away, I would see him in my mother's home, uh, walking with his walker, and... Um, I had a priest come and bless the place. We have had many masses set for him. So I'm wondering if, you know, what, I'm just wondering.
2: Well, first of all, what's the origin of the vision? Uh, It doesn't mean, uh, in other words, you're seeing something in your own eye that perhaps some spiritual force is placed there, but it doesn't mean your father is actually walking around the earth uh, even spiritually. We know that we were spiritually present to the dead, even in heaven, uh, or in purgatory and that we can influence what happens to them and they can influence what happens to us. There's absolutely no reason in the kind of Hamlet sense of his father to be walking around, you know, searching the earth for vindication or something like that. Those things are not really Christian. So I, I would be aware of thinking that, um, now, if it's a spirit that's trying to uh, obsess your home or something like that, fine. But it, it doesn't really mean it's your father necessarily because remember, angels can take any guys they wish. Uh, on the other hand, it could be uh, your desire to communicate that uh, brings you this image in your mind or something like that. So, um, And I remember when my father died, my mother in her advanced stages of her illness uh i was asked by my sister who had very little experience of people in the you know close to death uh mom seeing dad do you think that's a near death experience and i said well he's on a, she's on a combination of methadone and morphine <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling that has something to do with it <laughs> um But I think we need to beware, first of all, of attributing spiritual things to be um, actually the case uh, that are unusual like that. And really, I don't think correspond to Catholic doctrine as such. Secondly, as I say, we're spiritually present to the the dead anyway. So uh, I have a sister friend who used to correct me in life and Every time I do something wrong and get corrected, I say, I heard that from heaven. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in touch with each other. We don't need to have some kind of phantom representation. And uh, thirdly, it's wrong to distract the dead from where they are to attribute some sort of necessity of them still being on earth. Um, because they're either enjoying heaven or suffering in purgatory on their way to go there. Or they could be in hell. So um, I I just think that, um, I don't know what the priest, after he exercised your home or whatever, what the result was, but I hope it was positive.
1: God bless you, Marguerite. We appreciate that call today. 833-288-3986 is our number. Um, Helen is in Burbank, Illinois, listening on WSFI Radio today. Uh, Helen, welcome to the program. You're on with Father Brian.
3: Hi, Father Brian. I just had a comment, something I've been thinking about. I'm 89 years old, and, um, you know, I was thinking my father was a very gruff man, but it was very, very hard time. And in those yes. days, fathers and mothers didn't say, I love you, I love you. Now we get all these cards, I love you, I love you, phone calls, I love you, but there is no love. Yeah. The parents are put into nursing homes. The parents divorce. The fathers are not in so many homes. And I, I think just saying I love you isn't meaningful like no. it should be.
2: Right. Well, I think parents today don't know how to be parents. And I know many, many educators who told me that. Um, there's some strange thing going on in our families where they want to be buddies instead of parents. And, you know, when you're a parent, you have to exercise discipline. Now you do, you should do it lovingly. Beating a kid to death isn't the way to exercise discipline. But um, I don't know. I, you read these beams on the, online. My father disciplined us with the belt. All I learned was respect for the, my elders <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, whereas today, you, they give the children everything. The children cry. Child cries when he's three. Gets a cell phone, uh, something to you know placate him. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff going on that those of us who are, have been involved in education know are not good. And I say that even as persons, a person who's educated, people with master's degrees. It's reached all the way up there in a way. So I remember I had a student who wrote me an email on distance learning saying, You didn't understand my paper. You really reasoned it over again. You didn't give me the right grade. So I went up and looked what his grade was 95. And I said, Oh, come on. No, uh uh-uh. uh. No, 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 no. You can't be happy with a 95. What's your problem? You know. So um, I agree with you 100% about that. But uh, in former times, people, I think they, they loved people, but they couldn't many times show it. And I think that's especially true of the children of the Depression in World War II, who were considered the greatest generation, you know. But the guys went to combat when they were 18 years old. I mean, they weren't about to get gushy. <laughs> they were lucky They survived. So you you need to look at the things in context is what I was saying. And I wish you were right that we did have families with stronger parents because that would make for more respectful and, I think, more um, integrated children.
1: Uh, next up is Maria in West Bloomfield, Michigan, listening on Ave Maria Radio. Maria, a couple minutes left with Father Brian. What's your question today?
3: Hi, I'll make it fast. Uh, I was just wondering, what is the difference be- between feeling bad about something you did and feeling sorry?
2: Oh, well, you can feel bad because you got caught, but not sorry. Uh, sorrow uh, means that you regret what you did because of what you uh, because of what you did. Basically, feeling bad means that uh, um, I, I'm sorry that I got caught but I have no remorse of conscience whatsoever and don't really think it was bad for me to do this. So I think the difference has to do with your conscience and whether your conscience accuses you of evil or not, or whether you just uh, are suffering the inconveniences of having committed a crime or something like
1: that. Does that help Maria?
3: Yes. Thank you. Take care.
1: Yeah, thank okay, you. We appreciate brilliant. the phone call eight three three two eight eight E W T N. You know our friend Father John Tregilio, your your counterpart on EWTN's Open Line Monday. When people talk about the conditions for a plenary indulgence, and uh, one of those, of course, being detachment from all sin, even venial. Yeah, and, uh, he describes that in a way that I hadn't heard before. That kind of cut me to the core. <laughs> But he said that 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 refers to looking back on any past sin with fondness. Mm. Well, I don't know what he means by that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. At any no rate. comment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> They're not all winners, Father. Is Michael McCall are. well? Producer, well, I have say. to know. I have to know. You
2: know what? What the context was. Yeah. Well, um, pretty remorse of conscience means that you realize. That you've interrupted the order of justice and that interrupts the order of justice in your own soul and so you're you regret what you did to other people and you also regret this in yourself and that causes you great sorrow which is a natural reaction to a present evil
1: father would you leave us with a blessing
2: May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Brian Mullady, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener, Matt Gubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line Thursday. We're back at it tomorrow with our very own Vice President of Theology, Mr. Colin Donovan. Until we get together with Colin tomorrow on Open Line Friday, God bless.